once you change your philosophy, you change your thought pattern. Once you change your thought pattern, you change your, your attitude. Once you change your attitude, it changes your behavior pattern. And then you go on into some action. Hi! Welcome to Everyone Sucks Here. Uh, I'm your co-host, Jerome Charles. I'm the other co-host, Brian Ganella. And I've got that summertime sadness. Yeah, Jerome's very low energy today. Even our brand new spiffy theme song couldn't really, like, pep him up. No, I don't. I uh, I think I experience seasonal defective affective disorder in the summer. Yeah. Um, when I'm, when it's winter... I'm almost like spitefully giddy at how well I'm doing and like watching everybody else around me is just like not being able to just leave the house. And then summer hits and I'm just like, wait, what do you want me to do? Go anywhere, do anything, talk, listen? No, I I have no energy for it. So whereas most people are adversely affected uh, by the absence of sun in the winter, you seem to be... uh, Get it the whole fuck away from me. Yeah, you hate the sun. Yeah, uh, I just bought some more blackout curtains for my room. Uh, my mom always calls me a vampire because, yeah. you know, I, I just have to keep it cold and dark all the time. That's where I was uh, going to go. Just like my heart. Oh, no. Yeah. That's not true. No, Dear listeners, absolutely. I assure you, Jerome is a very warm and caring person. Everybody, everybody always wants to pitch that angle of like, oh, you're just like, you're just prickly on the outside or whatever. And I'm like, well, what if I'm not what if i'm prickly on the inside what if i am what if my heart is a prickly fucking pear is there anything on inside of pears what do pears look like oh yeah they're apple type things right yeah like so there's sand, seeds sandpaper so inside of my prickly pear heart are the seeds of uh, empathy and stuff yeah maybe or you're just prickles all the way down <laughs> probably yeah. my gosh well i mean also whatever uh if we're just talking about this particular summer uh, it really fucking sucks. Like, yeah, it has been a uniquely exhausting summer. I think I can allow myself to, you know, be a little bit fucking bummed out. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think a certain amount of of bummage is is healthy, actually, because if you weren't, you know, bummed out by everything going on around you right now, I would have to question your grip. Yeah, right. The 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 normal me who takes pride in sort of like uh rejecting the idea of of suffering from any sort of mental illness which you know you can't just decide that you don't have it and just be like well i don't have it so i don't have it but that me is sort of like right now is just like i think i think i'm allowed to just be a little bit bummed out for a little bit and even that is a lot for me to like come to that conclusion yeah, we don't want to be bummed. It's our uh, toxic masculinity, right? Rearing its ugly head again. No feelings, no sadness. No yeah, sadness. no shit. Like, you know, some people talk about uh, just like, I don't know, just getting like the corona cries. Like, I could probably use oh, a couple of those shit. I have not heard that term yet. The corona cries? Yeah. Is that a thing? Oh, man, that totally makes I sense. Did, I did that one time in the beginning at, mm-hmm. at the button. Mm-hmm. It was raining. It was an early rainy morning, and I was there by myself, and like, I was particularly bummed her out, yeah. boy trouble, oh, I feel no. like, and I was just like, here it is, feel the rain on my skin, <laughs> no one else can feel it for you. What a you know? sad little anime scene that is. Right, yeah, standing <laughs> standing in the rain at the button yeah. by myself, just like weeping, of just like, yo, this is fucking whack. Anime characters only cry in the rain. 
it's the best place to cry. Uh, yeah, tears for sure. The temptations told us that. I think that's I think that's what's necessary for me to cry. It's got to be raining and nobody can really see it because I was like real ugly face doing it too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, other than what sounds like a battle with crippling depression, how mm. been, <laughs> like what have you been up to? What uh, what was going on this weekend for you? this week what do you mean what is it what is it sunday or something man i don't know like i'm i'm just barely going to anything i'm barely just like (laughs) leaving the house even when i do you know i i think i've been doing a good job of like warning people that i'm just like i call it low energy i'm just like yeah i'm just real low energy today yeah uh it's it's my new question that i ask you whenever we like get together i'm like is jerome low energy today Uh does he need a snack do we need to go to the gas station hey and you are absolutely recognizing how to snap me out of this even before we do the podcast we sort of will do like a pre-show meetup or something like that and uh while you were eating, you were just like, you want to watch something yeah. while, while we do this, whatever. And like, you know that it fucking worked. Like, <laughs> I, I am still a child and you turn on a TV. I'm like, you're okay. Yeah. You're sad, but you watch this TV sad. Funny, funny show, funny times. Yeah. And the next thing you know, Jerome's ready to chit chat. Well, I mean, you show me Mikey and Titus uh, and I'm good to go. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you're, uh, you're like, what? gay hope chest <laughs> my gosh yeah, i'm telling you I'm, i've said it before in this pod i'm probably gonna end up with a, an italian and uh that show gives me hope for that yeah we're all the construction we're all the gay construction workers at pittsburgh oh man they gotta be out there i guess they've gotta but yeah. they're just all in the down low and stuff Dang. i don't know what about you man what are you doing you seem to be doing stuff yeah i'm you just out, got back from ohio i'm right? out there yeah i was in ohio painting a painting a pro labor mural on the side of a barn that was pretty cool and first time i've ever painted on a barn so mm. i felt really uh, rustic and like american doing that shit in a good way i guess if that was even possible i didn't even know it was possible until i felt it mm. uh, but that was fun and then came back and you know got back to, to doing the organizing work with uh, the PSL, which is the political party I'm part of, and mm-hmm. then also attending um, Civil Saturdays with, with you, my friend. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was another thing where, you know, gosh, most of the time, uh, it's like verbal diarrhea with me. I'm just talking at infinitum, you know, just to hear, to hear the sound of my own voice, but... I, I don't even remember how many things I said like on the way to the to the event or whatever. Like I think I'm just sort of moving on autopilot yeah. a lot right now. Just like, hey, don't worry about how I am. Just be happy with the fact that there's a physical body here, which means that like I've given at least this much to like show up and I'm trying to like push through the just whatever. Right. And uh I felt that yesterday or whatever, but then I uh, I don't know, that it was a it was a pretty good demonstration. It was just a sit-in as opposed to a march. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did feel a glimmer of hope. Um, not in like a giant sense of just like, oh, the world's going to get better. But just in the sense of like, it seems like the after like, you know, what, 14 or so weeks yeah. or whatever, that the, 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 the demonstrations are getting to a place where it's not just um, like we got spirit how about you yeah. sort of yeah 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 um it's like it, it's a feeling like maybe the left is starting to like coalesce like sure the 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 the, the, the uh, protest organizers yesterday gave space for people to give testimony yes. and they gave space for i mean just as a result of that you just start seeing people jumping out in the woodwork there was like a cmu professor that mm-hmm. spoke um there was somebody that spoke from another socialist alternative or yeah. group or something yeah. like that socialist alternative right i think he was organizing with them on uh, the defund the station or, or stop the station project sure to sure keep that new police station being built in east lib and he 
I was particularly impressed with uh, his speech because he was the first person I've seen at a Civil Saturdays. And I haven't been to them all, but I've been to a few. And uh, he was the first person I've ever heard use the phrase working class mm-hmm. and address the audience like as members of a common class as opposed to just like different intersections and identities. Sure. So that I felt like... I felt like that was actually received really well because he gave everybody in attendance there like um, something you know personally at stake for them, right? Mm. They were they felt like connected into this struggle instead mm-hmm. of like uh, a group that has you know agency over imp- of oppression and a group that just like is right. the, is the sole experiencer of that. Oppression. Right, right. A lot of the, you know a lot of the times um, it, it it will just end up being hmm, trying to. Trying to tread lightly here because I'm not trying to like. Obviously, the fact that uh, these young organizers show up every week and they they give their energy and their oh, yeah. time and, and and their spirit and everything. And yes, it is frustrating uh, sometimes, and you can feel their frustration. But like, there needs to be more than just like cries of passion. Yeah, it's kind sort of, of like that. You want positive sort of like building solidarity language which is what like connecting everyone to a broader struggle like serves to achieve as opposed to just like an uh, us versus them or me versus you sort of narrative right like i want to i want to be able to and once again i fucking hate learning you know i do but i if i can walk away from one of these events and feel like i i I gleaned on some knowledge that like i wasn't even thinking about before i wasn't considering before yeah then that's a win yeah for sure and on that note when you said the phrase walking away let's talk about some places in uh in the country where people you know weren't able to walk away and i'm specifically speaking towards uh, the violence in kenosha wisconsin yeah yeah Um, tensions are fucking rising yeah so as uh a lot of people you know in the know probably our listeners might know as well like uh there was another uh you know police execution or not execution but like attempted execution of, of a black man who luckily survived after being shot seven times in the back by kenosha wisconsin police uh, that was captured on video, went viral, and, you know, it kicked up that rage right again. So net, we saw another couple of nights of extended riots. Mm-hmm. Uh, curfews. Curfews, uh, uh, violent escalations and confrontations with the police. And, you know, I think another police police precinct got burned down, which, you know, fucking great. Mm-hmm. All here for it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Want to mm-hmm. see more of that shit. But, uh, like, that rage, again, is once like at the forefront and, like, super palpable. But the difference between, like, maybe a couple months ago uh, is this time we saw the reactionary element show mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. in the form of counter-protesters from the right wing. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say the right wing, I mean, like, the militant uh, Blue Lives Matter, like, white nationalist right wing, right. Uh, including a 17-year-old kid named Kyle Rittenhouse um, who killed two people at that protest. Um and yeah i it was horrible like it was captured on video like you saw the instances like the protesters were really uh reacting to a person who's clearly antagonistic to them mm-hmm. in their presence with an armed uh you know like a loaded rifle i heard that like the that pre him firing on people the cops were sort of like they offered him water they were thanking yes. him for yeah. like his presence and yeah. shit like that so this, this is a kid who's not from kenosha either he's from illinois and he drove across state lines with a rifle which is illegal by the way mm-hmm. to come to these uh the site of these riots or whatever you want to call them um and like i think out of his own mouth was to defend property and uh 
basically live out his cop cosplay fantasy, which he mm-hmm. did. And the really fucked up and disturbing thing about it is it speaks to a pattern of cooperation between law enforcement and oh, these yeah. sort of right wing paramilitary groups. Yeah. Uh, where like you know we've seen footage of. Well, like, duh. I mean, what, what did Trump say when the, <laughs> when the looting charts starts? Oh yeah, the yeah, shooting yeah. starts. The looting charts, shooting starts. That old we fucking... both said charts twice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, same logic, right? Right. Yeah, but like uh, this this dude, we've seen um, we've seen footage from like cops in maybe like Seattle, Portland area, like coordinating with Proud Boys, like saying that like you know we're not after you guys, we're just here for them, so like you guys mm-hmm. can leave, like all that kind of stuff. And this was an effort where like the Kenosha PD definitely like welcomed Kyle Rittenhouse and his ilk, into, yeah. and and even coordinated to a certain point where it's like if we push the protesters down towards you, you no. guys can just deal with them, and like we're gonna step back. So Kyle Rittenhouse killed two people and uh, was able to leave the scene, walk peacefully. Yeah, I don't understand that part. How how did that happen? Just because people were afraid to like approach him? I mean, people on the left were certainly afraid to approach him, but the police just didn't seem to care at the moment. They were responding to the action. They they maybe they didn't know that this guy did it right but like he's a guy walking away from a you know a gunshot crime like outside of a gunshot crime with a gun mm-hmm. who walks past the police line is able to get into his car and drive all the way home to illinois to sleep in his bed safe no. and sound uh before charges were pressed against him um and he, he did get picked up but mm-hmm. now he's become a sort of oh, like yeah. cultural martyr for the right. oh sure like i think the most ostentatious like sort of outrageous fucking uh things i saw online was like someone tweeted that they wanted him to be their bodyguard which uh i don't know if you saw the video of him getting attacked he'd be a horrible bodyguard he got Uh-oh. he got duffed so easily and if he didn't have a fucking gun like mm-hmm. he would have got his ass whooped mm-hmm. so i don't know really who he's protecting uh and then i think ann coulter that goddamn fucking troglodyte witch of the right uh in a constant effort to stay relevant for her retweeted that tweet saying that she demanded uh she wanted kyle rittenhouse to be her president which what the fuck like literally this man's only qualifications in his entire life is he killed two black lives matter protesters and that is a qualification for presidency how fucking demented do you have to be that's why i'm sad in the summer uh (laughs) you know before i okay so i'm not from pittsburgh obviously not there's nothing obvious about that (laughs) except for the way that i speak don't go there speak and dress Mm -hmm. and carry yourself (laughs) Mm -hmm. know about that uh so when I got here and people told me that places like Lawrenceville were dangerous and the Hill District and all these kinds of places, whatever, I never felt any danger while I was within those communities. Walking the streets of Lawrenceville, I don't feel any danger. Now that fucking all the Kyles mm-hmm. in the world are feeling emboldened, mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel like I better shut my faggot nigger mouth before somebody has a reason to point a target on my back and just wait for the right moment yeah just be like yo next time we see this dude at the protest we're gonna accidentally or just what the fuck ever uh it just really seems like it's that much closer of a possibility and i'm like do i need to fucking get a bulletproof vest just to go to a protest i mean that's a real concern i guess like i mean there was another protest it was a counter protester that was shot and killed in portland the other day yeah but it happened so like what is going on where now we're seeing these like armed confrontations between various left-wing and right-wing factions in this country and the truth of the matter is like that's just a kind of a natural step in this sort of like civil unrest that we see as like material conditions continue to deteriorate because mm. of covid 
uh, and you know, police still continue to uh, extrajudicially kill people in the streets. So like, the reaction to that is it was going to be bad. Now that Trump's base, this like reactionary right, like mm-hmm. feels that their position of power is being threatened because they can. I mean, like anybody can see the writing on the wall. People are galvanizing behind Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Like even like you know, as much as we like criticize it and, and all that kind of shit with like you know good intentions and all that like that's still where the momentum is in this country is like yeah. is with this fucking social movement and, and i just i mean it's just like a small point or whatever but even the fact that uh you know people are disillusioned enough to to call black lives matter like a terrorist organization yeah, right. like anytime i see that following like a tweet or something like that i'm just like damn what what is it like to live in your reality right. i'm sure i know what it's like and you're just it's, it's that don't want to be wrong don't want to admit that my heroes are wrong. Don't want to mm-hmm. uh, have to care about anybody outside yeah. of my social, outside of my circle. Well, it's that it's that uh, echo chamber phenomena, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just you sort of like embed yourself in, uh, in a community that just completely like uh, like is a closed loop circuit and just keeps feeding back like all of your stupid ideas to you, and you never grow out of it. And the more and more you exist in that loop the more and more entrenched you become in that kind of like manner of thinking and that kind of like thought process and uh then you're one step away from becoming another Kyle Rittenhouse when when you convince yourself that like defending property and like standing up for the cops and like, mm-hmm. all this kind of shit is like an absolute unquestionable moral mm-hmm. good I mean like there's no other way to get around it Kyle Rittenhouse is not an anomaly right no, I think not he, at all I think Kyle Rittenhouse was uh, a, a school shooter without a school. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, a Kyle Rittenhouse was a guy who maybe was on the fence about committing that kind of, like, violence. And this just needed the material conditions to line up to just the right amount of push yeah. for him to participate in it. Yeah. And, like, when you have the cops out there sort of coordinating with these groups and, like, embracing them and welcoming, into the, welcoming them into their lines and all that kind of stuff, you're going to see more people take the take the idea that that's acceptable behavior that's pretty scary i i don't want to be too much of an alarmist but at the same time i do want to let people know what's real and like what's on the corner this has happened before like Mm. when we see the rise of like fascist movements in history like in italy and germany in spain in like indonesia Mm. uh, like these sort of reactionary forces the first things they do is they coordinate with the police and like the police sort of uses them to do their wet work uh, and like that is one of the sure tail signs of fascism. Mm. And fascism is, above all else, an explicit ideology of violence. It holds the belief that literally all problems in society can be controlled, maintained, and facilitated through a process of violence. Yuck. Yeah. And Yuck. That, that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of this episode. Mm. Um, is that that American cultural obsession with violence and that mm. how that feeds in to, uh, I guess, what we'd call the rise of American fascism. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. You know, we'll take a little interlude and hit you with it. Bam. Bam. Sex. And violence. Sex and violence! Sex and violence!
So, drunk. Hmm. Violence. Yeah. Cool. Not cool. What do we think about it? What's what? How do we see it? How do we experience it as Americans? Well, uh, I I will just the most immediate thing I can think of is uh, just this morning I was hanging out with Max and uh, shout you out know, Max, shout out Max, shout out Max, Jim's for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we were good boy. <laughs> we were just talking about my summer sads, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, damn, I don't even feel right like making it cute. My <laughs> my upsetting uh, life halting summer emotion <laughs> well we're just talking about that and like Jerome's bad time yeah yeah <laughs> very good very bad horrible no good time yeah uh and then you know Jim's just like what makes you happy or whatever and like I, I hear that question being asked other people all the time and I usually find it like pretty silly to answer like oh look in like my, my answer was a, a well choreographed fight scene boom and it's just like it does it does make me happy like uh, it it gets me so giddy i don't know maybe 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 i said well choreographed because like i'm trying to like find like the 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 dance element that it comes from and like all this kind of like it's a dance that i'm looking at and i know that it's like um it's performative and all this kind of stuff whatever uh i don't know i get so fucking hyped on that kind of stuff so so i think it's safe to say maybe that a dominant like opinion in American culture is that maybe violence is cool. Yeah, um, I yes, yes, we're definitely obviously going to stick on that. But I've always had this this uh, personal anecdote. Um, just like when we talk about like violence and mm-hmm. destruction and stuff, I was working at Walmart years ago, and I was assisting a, a woman at, at the kiosk, like for a little photo center. And uh, while we're waiting for her CD to load. Um, I'm just like absentmindedly like the, the whole kiosk is behind this little cardboard setup and I'm just like picking at it. I'm just like tearing little pieces away as we're standing there, like waiting for the CD to load. And and the woman says, and I was like, like 18 at the time. And mm-hmm. she's just like, why are boys like this? She was like, why do you have to destroy stuff all the time? And I looked and I looked at myself just absentmindedly tearing apart this thing. And I'm like, do I, do I do that? Yeah. And I think about it all the time even even around the room i'm sure right now i can look at it or whatever something that i just like slowly rhythmically just tore away at when i'm walking by a tree i grab a leaf i just start fucking like ripping up at it and stuff yeah. like that like what is this just uh inherent need to just like destroy stuff to fill my time right so i as always have a couple ideas about this mm-hmm. um and my theory is that america has this unique cultural obsession with violence Mm. because america is uniquely culturally violent Mm. like it is it is the belly of the beast in terms of global capital which is like the you know this this sort of like explicitly oppressive like system Mm. that kind of like dominates the entire world right we are a settler colonial country in origin which as we talked about in the last episode is a process of violence can't have it without can't have it without it so it's very much ingrained into our national fabric right through either like the enslavement of black people or like the the you know murder of indians on the frontier like all that stuff has been very present Mm -hmm. in american society for a really long time Mm -hmm. and now that we've sort of gotten to this like postmodern era right where we're supposed to be I guess evolved past that like extreme expression of violence. We're not out there like 
necessarily explicitly like massacring Native Americans anymore, but mm. like we are still rendering violence upon to them through like oh yeah economic policy ice ice mm-hmm. like all that shit still exists. It just shifts around and takes other forms. Mm-hmm. Um, so inconsistent with uh, a, you know a recurring theme on this show where we talk about cultural hegemony. Like we're going to talk about the way violence is fed to us through our culture hmm. and the way it's normalized as part of our culture and part of our society mm-hmm. by like the sort of like powers that be. Right. Yeah. So like let's think maybe for like right off the bat just about the, the right wing since we were talking about that shithead in Wisconsin mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is right up there with this sort of like right wing fantasy of violence as justice. Right. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. like. Only through that sort of like dogged eye for an eye mentality can justice ever be like possibly served. And like that has its origins in like Western tropes and for sure. Like the cowboy movie is very much about that kind of shit. Hmm. Uh, and like so like that speaks to it being a reality of like frontier life in America in general. But also, like, in the modern era, like, it's mainly fed back to us through our, you know, action movies, like you were saying, like a good choreographed fight scene. Yeah. Um, so one thing that's coming out and like people are paying attention to let's just talk about him for a second is batman there's a new batman movie coming out I'm like no that batman who, forever who the fuck asked for it i don't know it feel like it, this really feels like the purgatory of like modern american life or holy just shit we're just doing the same stories yeah. over and over of these people that like we uh, i don't give a shit about oh, i could yeah. i didn't even need to see the christopher nolan movies. seriously i was fine after batman and robin and batman forever if you don't like those movies i think you're a fucking jerk right those that's movies are so fun and that's what i want from batman right so we're just like cursed in this existence to just like live through batman trilogy after batman forever. trilogy after batman trilogy forever and it got me thinking like why why do we love batman so fucking much and batman 100% embodies the right-wing idea of using violence mm-hmm. as justice. Right? I, I, I listen to another podcast. It's called For All Nerds. It's Shout a out. podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a geek podcast <laughs> about pop culture from the perspective of people of color. You should take a listen to it for sure. But they were talking about this. Uh, the, the main host, DJ Ben-Amin, is like a, a avid comic nerd. And he talked about, he was like, yo, it's been fuck Batman forever they were like batman has existed uh for like 80 80 ish years now or something like that Mm -hmm. as this billionaire in a city that has the money to solve the problems to to get rid of crime to to fucking like spread the resources around but instead of doing that he likes to go to fancy parties and he likes to put on a costume and go around beating up poor and, and mentally handicapped people yep yep that's it that's your hero that's it that's the guy bruce wayne could fucking buy up like the city yeah. and just be like no okay so like this whole area is going to be dedicated to this here's some low-income housing here yep. here's i mean arkham that's it yep. you're just taking the same ass people and just being like go ahead to arkham or whatever i hope you don't break out too much yeah because i would hate to just have to beat you up again and it's like it's like that is the fantasy essentially of cal rittenhouse right like yeah is to dress up in your warrior costume and go out and fight the fucking like unkept menace that's like threatening mm-hmm. society batman or the punisher batman or the punisher like and the punisher is like low-key a right-wing symbol now like i don't know about you but whenever i see a fucking punisher decal on anybody's yo, shirt or yo. a bumper sticker or the back of their fucking truck window i approach with caution 
any any uh, uh any caucasian male that i see sporting superman batman or the punisher i've automatically like just lumped you into this category of just like okay cool yeah well, good. You, you would kill me if i did something you didn't mm-hmm. like that's basically mm-hmm. that's basically what that symbol says it's right like, if i offend you in any way like my life is gonna be forfeit i would at the last job that i was at we had a young kid come in uh like the last person that was hired and uh you know, for for I, I ended up telling him eventually. I was like, dude, when we first got here, all I got from you was school shooter vibes. Oh, for sure. Uh, and I'm sorry that that's the case, whatever. But from your fucking like shaggy helmet head haircut, your fucking hockey hair, to like uh, yeah. you know, you're just slouchy disposition, and you come in wearing a Punisher shirt. I'm just like, all right, uh, I probably won't get too close to this person, and uh, I definitely don't want to like upset them right and we ended up being like very close and we had lots of like you know in-depth conversations and i you know tried to get him to see things from different points of view because he's like a young white dude who only knows like his young white friends Mm -hmm. and their opinions and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so for him to be spending most of his time at work with this gay black man who Mm -hmm. is always just like nope shut that shit down all your friends are fucking stupid uh, everything they're talking about is dumb, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah, fuck that. Uh, the, the Punisher emerged, I think, like in the 70s, right? Mm. Uh, during during um, the Nixon administration, I think mm. maybe it was like the first appearance of the Punisher. But Nixon campaigned, just like our man Donnie Deals, as being the law and order, tough on crime uh, fucking candidate. And there was this big reactionary push like in the late 70s as like the conditions of capitalism sort of were creating these different material crises. Like there was the gas crisis in the late 70s and like there was a bunch of like inflation and like wages weren't going up and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And crime was becoming a, a problem, right? Especially as like municipalities, like big cities at the time, were beginning to drift away from investing into social services mm. and like relegating that shit out to the private sector. So they mm. were leaving a lot of low income people like to fend for themselves, which of course resulted in an increase in crime. Sure. So the reaction to that from the right in the country was like characters like The Punisher or like movies where, like uh, Charles Bronson's Death Wish, which has been remade, coincidentally enough, just to show you how history doesn't repeat itself, but it mm. rhymes. Mm. Uh, and Death Wish is about a white man who experiences crime directly for like the first time in his life or whatever. Mm. And then just his, his, his solution to that, his response to that was just to be, to, just to go on a one man killing spree of basically like any criminal that he encountered in New York city. And like, that was the movie. That was it. Like that it's, was, that was like, he was supposed to be the hero. He was supposed to be the sympathetic character. Yeah. Yeah. And like that kind of, that kind of trope exists uh, in American culture and has probably only like really become more and more common uh, as time goes on, like that sort of like lone wolf, I'm going to handle it myself. Like my interpretation of justice is the correct one. So therefore like I'm going to do it. And like nowadays, another good franchise, fictional franchise to point to that expresses that sort of like mentality is the purge. Series. Right. I've not seen one of those movies. I have not had like the urge to go see that yeah. movie. Well, okay. So you're telling me that for a fixed amount of time, Humans can live out their absolute worst fantasies. Yep. I don't want to see. I don't want to no, see that. No, no. And this is coming from like a fucking broken person who like I love you know dysfunction and stuff like that. But yeah. like if this is the point of the movie where it's just like, hey man, it's open season yeah. and like go live out, go be your worst self. So I yeah. So I I was a little bit more invested in the Purge franchise because I really do sincerely believe that like the filmmakers like intended it to be like mm. a satire like of this kind of like fascist sort of thinking, right? Mm. Um, this idea that. That, like to see the first episode was about a rich family who could afford like all of the maximum security 
features that you could get in a purge society. Sure. And they have the, the reluctant decision of letting a poor black guy into their house who's being pursued by another gang. Like, that, that's the very Jesus, first Jesus, I the forgot very first that's what it was about. Yeah, that's the first one. And then, like, the, se- the as the sequels go on, they expand the scope of the purge universe, like, a little mm. bit more to the point where they, they made a show about the purge, too. And, like, they start talking about it, its origins as, like, a political doctrine and all that kind of stuff. And, like, people are really supposed to be, like, listening to that kind of shit and maybe taking warning. But I feel like as the franchise has grown and become more popular, people... <laughs> Can we just admit that people don't get fucking satire? <laughs> they don't get it. They don't get it. People get satire. <laughs> they're zeroing in on, like, oh, man, I... If I was going to do The Purge, this is how I would do it. Like, this is my costume. Like, this is what I would fucking do. Not saying, like, damn, we are we really so twisted that, that they needed to set up this system mm-hmm. so that we could, like, sort of, like, release our valves just for a small amount of time and mm-hmm. then we're good from yep. there? And even as the later movies go on and they sort of, like, introduce these sort of, like, leftist factions, like, in The Purge universe that are, like, we got to take out, like, the, the government that instituted The Purge and all that kind of shit. They're never as, like, stylized mm-hmm. or memorable as, like, the psychopaths that are just, like, out there to kill, you know? Like, they're just wearing, like, simple street clothes and maybe, like, a fatigue and got a rifle. And mm-hmm. they're, like, they're just not, like, not flashy at all. And then you got, like, the, the true psychopaths who are, like, sp- spoiling out and, like, tricked out Lamborghinis with, like... Because know, they've been waiting. Yeah, yeah, they've been waiting. They've been spending their disposable income. Like, every day except for people. the purge is leading up to the purge. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it, like, and, yeah, so that's, like how uh it, it kind of like expresses itself that sort of reaction of like violence is used to control the system like violence mm. is the facilitating agent for like keeping order uh and like it's so normalized and ingrained in in our mentality and our subconscious because that is literally like one of the key forms of like social interaction mm. uh that that we have to deal with right and it, it permeates in sort of everything so like we have a capitalist system, right, where violence is used uh, by that system to sort of, like, secure the process of accumulation. Like, anybody that stands in the way of that, like, collection of, like, all the wealth, like, you can just get got. Like, you're done. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, <clears throat> there was some some uh, white nationalist stickers that were going around Pittsburgh, and yeah. I'm pretty sure all over the country at some point, and one of them was uh, a picture of the United States, and it said... Uh, what did it say? Like, like uh, taken, not, not yeah, not, not ta- stolen. Yeah, taken, not stolen. Right, they earned it through conquest. Yeah, as, as opposed to you know stealing it. Imagine conquest. still feeling that way. Imagine being in 2020, and being like, yeah, we did the right thing. Yeah, we, we absolutely sorry. Those people have to. Well, I get. I can't imagine it in 2020. The yeah. people who are saying right now that some people have to die for coronavirus are right. the same people that would have been like smallpox in a blanket. I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. It got rid of those Indians. We wanted to. We That's wanted it. to move into hey, the fucking orchard. No problem. No I guess. Problem. Yeah. So yeah, that that like use of violence as, with uh, with Breonna Taylor, them going around trying to gentrify that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it always connects back to that that sort of like uh that material drive for wealth right mm-hmm. and then like they justify doing some truly heinous shit mm-hmm. to like support that pursuit like even if you look at the holocaust was like a super horrible example of this shit right the the reason why like the german high command was so dedicated to like emptying out eastern europe of mm. all slavs jews communists and like gypsies or whatever mm. or like Rom- romani sorry uh and then uh like was because they wanted to secure living space for the germans like they wanted that to be an empty corridor for german people to move into and like you know manage the resources of it so like it's always about material goods like it's always about acquiring wealth in sort of some sense and violence is just used as the facilitating agent to get it so like 
what are some of the other things that we just like normalize violence in uh, in our everyday experience? And, and one of the ones I would point to immediately is is sports, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, right. So Fucking like, gross. right? It's super gross. And like sports in particular, like the two examples I think we're gonna stick with for this little this little talk is the NFL and MMA, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And like anybody who's watched MMA like knows that that's essentially just like a blood sport. Right? Yeah, dude. The point is to like incapacitate, not even just to like be the top of uh to be the best grappler to be the best muta it's not just that it's like i haven't achieved that if this person isn't like unconscious on the floor in front of me and the audience of mma loves it when someone gets fucking pummeled unconscious they love it when someone's face gets can we get rid of can we get joe rogan and his fans out of here honestly yeah i mean like joe rogan is a very confusing enigma of a person but for the most part he's just a jock and we don't need jocks anymore really we don't need jocks anymore you hear me if you want to be good at sports that's fine but i don't want to hear how you're only worth something if you're a champion at it fuck that shit well i mean we see that kind of fucking attitude all over the place yeah sure do pops up in real unexpected places too Uh but in mma like let's just compare that maybe to like uh i think the most comparable thing abroad in terms of just like being a sheer blood sport is like uh like thai kickboxing Mm -hmm. like muay thai but even if you even if you look at um like martial art competitions in like japan china and show that's yeah. all about technique and style mm-hmm. like people are wearing pads mm-hmm. like it's all about landing proper combos and having good form and like connecting it seems and it way. seems like the people who, who who are excessive in that are and this is based on no knowledge or whatever but like if you're yeah. a guy that like fucking goes berserk at a at a at a tournament where everybody else is like obeying the rules or whatever yeah. you're seen as like a savage yeah, you know you get banned like you're not allowed back in that tournament and then you go to mma and, and you, you start MMA, <laughs> you just ground and pound people down to a pulp yeah, for, that's for fucking... hundreds of thousands of dollars in endorsements no when some, somebody's suggested before that just because of my body type that i should try uh, like jujitsu or something like that, and a I don't have the discipline to show up for anything every day and like train or whatever. But like, but for what? Yeah. Now, if Jerome, if if, if problematic, angry, like like anger problems, Jerome <laughs> now can confidently go and solve his problems with violence. What do you think I'm gonna do? What do you think I'm gonna fucking do all the time? When you're given that option and you see that it works, even if it only works in the short term, you're gonna rely on it a lot. But the thing, this is a philosophy professor that went at Pitt, uh, University of Pittsburgh, when I went, said once, and it's always stuck with me, Mm -hmm. right? They call that, like, so when, when the rule of law or, like, order is established through force, yeah. the, the contradiction that that creates is that that force always has to be a, applied, mm. or in the second that it's relinquished in any kind, or, like, lessened in any kind of capacity, your order, like, your control is gone. So, like, the, is that physically why they, like, step on people's necks and stuff like that? Yeah, like, cause, and that's cause, why they continue to do it, but it's, it's, it's erroneous type of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, that's not a good system if you have to keep like constantly sustaining this energy to put your knee it takes on more neck. energy to frown than it does to smile exactly like we're gonna get as <laughs> a little cutesy like that but like for sure like it takes more energy to have to constantly oppress people to keep them in line yeah. than it does to create a system that is more like equitable and fair all around Damn. right but the problem is if you have a system that's more equitable and fair all around then you can't have billionaires basically because that's right. you know that's not how that's gonna work so uh, speaking, can we pick it you know don't, don't, don't lose your train of thought. Can we pick a place? Yeah. Somebody gives up their their. Uh, let's call it fucking Australia, because like honestly, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Uh, send all the billionaires to Australia. Let them do what they want on that place. You guys can build it up to the moon. Build a big old tower. Just go straight up in the fucking sky and just like let everybody else do what they want and just be like in these countries. We don't want billionaires. Mm. Um. 
we no longer see because then at that point can't you just start like slowly taking their power away i'm all about like separating things whatever let's send all the old people to an island because they <laughs> careful, all bother me oh that's right careful we're supposed now. to respect our elders and shit okay or just like segment you know segmenting things segregation <laughs> not not really a good way to go about it mm-hmm. uh so but like let's uh let's talk about the nfl right yeah. um oh first let's talk about basketball just because of the, uh, one little quick thing that i want to mention about basketball mm. it's like they're in the middle of the playoffs right and um well they they had stopped for social yeah. justice but then apparently obama Mario. asked them to continue two playing for two on crushing mm. social movements this mm-hmm. year the man is unstoppable uh so they, that was just a, a, another little anecdote in the worldwide web of sports i guess to consider but like let's talk about the nfl and like um just like the unequal exchange between ownership and player yeah and like how the nfl requires these athletes to essentially like run their bodies through a thresher and then only to literally like abandon them as soon as they're out of the league oh yeah so this is this is a little fucked up but this is what this kind of reminds me of is the extension of if anybody remembers the movie django unchained of like the phenomenon of mandingo fighting Hmm. like back in the day it's like that uh, two particularly strong like muscles like muscle-bound slaves like were forced to fight each other to the death by Mm -hmm. like white plantation owners and shit like that Mm -hmm. horrible blood sport savage tradition and in a lot of ways the nfl is kind of picked up that torch and ran with it fucking gross yeah 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 um i see i see a lot not a lot of people i do see a number of people that are concerned enough about like now that we know a little more more about ct and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff whatever they're just like look man you know uh, i'll let him do like the peewee stuff and all that kind of stuff where but as soon as it starts getting too serious Mm -hmm. he's out like i don't want my kids fucking brain scrambled for what maybe he makes it into the nfl maybe he doesn't right and like the nfl only takes care of you in accordance to how much money you generate for the nfl so like if you're like a superstar like you know franchise player like in an important position like a running back wide receiver quarterback or whatever oh are those important positions they are i don't know foosball yeah yeah, i do i know a little bit of the foosball so i'll speak on it uh but if you're like a lineman right which are the the fat guys that block everybody at the beginning uh lineman uh date me or go into my dms mm-hmm. just just let me know what's up he does like him beefy yeah uh but like these guys are basically forced like sumo wrestlers to just like clash with each other after every play smashing their heads usually into like helmet on helmet contact mm. which as we know and you mentioned is it results in a condition called cte yeah which is like extremely bad for you uh, leads to like manic depressive episodes, like rage, suicide. Oh, like, I mean, or like murder suicide, mm-hmm. like with the wrestler who ended up doing that a few yeah, years ago, Chris Benoit. Yeah, or what they were saying about Aaron Hernandez, the player from right. the Patriots. Who? Damn it! Right? Damn it! This is getting ahead of stuff. Whatever. We're eventually going to talk about like the obsession with like you know murders and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and then how fucked up that stuff is. And I just have to because I'm problematic. Whatever. It's just like fuck. That guy was cute as shit. That, that Aaron Hernandez do or whatever. And was your type, yeah. Completely my type or whatever. And then we end up giving passes to these people or whatever because of those dumb reasons. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, I don't know. Je- Jeffrey Dahmer is kind of cute. We're going to get back to that. I just needed yeah, to yeah. say that Aaron Hernandez was cute. And I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 definitely... Jerome, you're, you're not alone in that kind of like line yeah. of thinking. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. For sure. Like uh, with, with the NFL, right? It's just this sort of like blood sport mentality from the position of the owner where they're like looking at these players as if they're their property and it doesn't really matter how how bad 
they get hurt so long as they're winning championships and shit like yeah. that. Yeah, and there's always there's going to be an <coughs> in, infinite number of people always ready to apply mm-hmm. and take the spot of somebody else who just got hurt right. and taken off. And they're just like, I'm sure I can do better, right. and you'll treat me well. Right, because in a lot of ways, like being good enough to play in the NFL and being good enough to like fight in the MMA is sort of like winning a birth lottery. Like You develop those skills, sure, but you have to have like a sort of like predetermined like affinity for these like talents to be good at it, oh, to get yeah. to that kind of professional level. Yeah. But And we always... Like everybody else, kind of sees this as like you know uh, a blessing. Like oh man, like fucking lucky. You know. Oh, you're tall. You might as well go do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's good, man. It's good if you're in the like the NFL. It means you made it. But really, you're just entering into this like grand arena for like modern day gladiators. Oh, whoa, what a hit! Your health and safety is like Hits second to your ability to earn for the ownership of the team, uh, and like that's resulting in literal deaths of people so like yeah that's that's definitely uh a, a something that like regurgitates violence into us and like not that's not even to touch upon how closely uh the u.s military and the nfl work together in Whoa. terms of like advertising oh my and recruiting. god yeah it's in high school it's either what are you gonna do you're gonna play sports you're gonna join mm-hmm. the navy and it's the same idea right because it's like the same kind of like structure like you have coaches generals who make commands of you tell you what to do and through your excellent training and physical performance, you're supposed to execute that task like perfectly. And then when you're done, and when you're when your tenure is done, or when your body yeah. is breaking down, or whatever, uh, how are these vets doing out there? Yeah. How ask right. ask a vet if they if they still feel like their service was uh, useful and and being uh, compensated appropriately? Right. So like these people are just basically used as engines, you know, for violence by the state or by these organizations like the NFL, and then they're just abandoned. So like that's one way. Again, violence permeates every little aspect of american culture uh another way that it's probably worth pointing out is porn yeah yeah i um you know whenever i sign on to Pornhub, it always takes me to the straight splash page first which is like it's a problem in itself hey, that's a little you know up, it's very fucked up i mean Pornhub's fucked up in itself but like, totally uh, but the the things that i'm seeing on there it's like i have to exit that page as, as quickly as possible because i'm just like what the fuck dude for real like and it's like that is again like the violence of the patriarchy being like reflected back onto us as as something that's sort of like normal because a lot of people consume porn now right Uh, a lot of people is and kyle's fucking consume Mm -hmm. porn right because uh they're probably a little bit too creepy to talk to actual people Mm -hmm. um and like obviously if you watch porn too much like that has seriously like seriously bad side effects on your like libido your ability to, oh like, it, it your your already sense of entitlement you know mm. is even worsened yeah the entire like the entire sexual experience is centered around the male orgasm uh women are very much like regarded as uh, property in that kind of context and just like an object right. for male pleasure i mean the fact that you know all these like silicone devices exist that, that it's just like a, a pair of breasts a torso and and the body part bottom parts whatever it's yeah. just like man I, mm, yeah. you know i i love the idea of, of getting off and, and people doing that safely or whatever but like i'm not interested in having sex with a disembodied thing right and this isn't we're not kink shaming no no, this no. Is, we're talking about porn as a consumable product that a capitalist like infrastructure supports right mm-hmm. so like they're not interested in the feeling yeah they're not interested in the mutual pleasure of the people experiencing they're interested in pushing out a product Mm -hmm. that taps into the sort of like subconscious desires of the people consuming that product and what we're saying in this episode is that the subconscious desires of most americans are plagued by fantasies of violence Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 right yeah i always geez 
whenever I find myself, I hate it because I, I search lots of categories, uh, construction worker, uh, co-worker, <laughs> things like that, whatever. And then every once in a while, I'll get into this headspace or whatever where I'm just like, let me just put in the word rough. Yeah. And see where this goes or whatever, you know, because because yeah. every once in a while when I've exhausted all of my other like base fantasies or whatever, it just comes back to this. Like, just show me, show me like a pretty rough situation. Yeah. And I, I, I never feel good afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, I've definitely gotten to over the years, gotten rid of like my post masturbation guilt and stuff like that. But yeah, sometimes yeah. when it's just like when I'm just like. Yeah, throw on the, 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 the frat scene where it's just like seven dudes just like using this one guy or whatever. And it's just like, ah, there's no part of me that wants that. But no. like, why do I still seek it out? I don't know. But because probably because it's available, right? When you have that sort of shit like propping up all around you because there's a bunch of dedicated industries uh, out there making it. What I mean, like inevitably you're going to consume it, right? Yeah. Inevitably yeah, yeah. you're going to click on that tile when you open that page up. And inevitably, it's going to enter your psyche by viewing it. And and, and whatever we won't talk about porn forever, but also mm-hmm. we're we're adults and we can if we want to. Yeah. Uh, the amount of like just just normal like uh, foreplay acts. Yeah. Have been made violent. Yeah. And stuff like that, which is like, yeah, what the fuck? Like the foreplay is supposed to be the one fuzzy yeah. fun stuff leading up to the exciting sex. Yeah. Why? Why am? Why is there like? Almost vomit coming out of this right, person. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Like what the, the, the fuck? The, the, the fetish sites that are like specifically dedicated to like throat gagging or like whatever no. shit like that. Where it's just literally like trying to make the person like puke through oral My sex. My God. Who the fuck wants to see that? But somebody somebody does, right? Yeah. And you know, I think it also speaks to the problem that they're like. So you've probably heard of like I think it's called Woman's Way or whatever. It was like it's like porn industry, it's like porn for women, right? Mm. Where they like focus on the story and it's like really a lot more like sure. intimate and like the sex is kind of like you know nice. It's not as rough and like male oriented, sure, uh, as the other porn. Just the fact that that had to like had emerge, to a thing. right, mm-hmm. shows you how misogynistic and like patriarchal in nature like the rest of mainstream porn is. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. there, another uh, even in our sexual like understanding, violence is part of the norm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the other things I wanted to get on with violence is talking about the economic violence we experience in the workplace. What? Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, this this is something that I'll just spit out as a theory, right? So like. When you are an employee under the management of a boss, mm-hmm. right? You in this country we have something called at will employment, which is basically oh, yeah, the boss yeah, the boss can fucking fire you whenever he wants to. Yeah. That is a form of violence, right? Uh, because okay. like that takes away, you know, your access to income, which, you know, usually probably means it puts a, a legitimate threat to like your life yeah your life how you're gonna get fed like where you're gonna stay like Mm -hmm. how you're gonna keep the lights on all that kind of shit so like that looming threat that exists in the workplace is a form of violence that keeps you under control and that's that's assuming that like you know everything is going decent in your job like what if you're actually being harassed on top of having just these regular threats hanging over your head and then you have no you feel like you have no recourse to it too because you know boss and like if you speak out against it like it could potentially like lead to you being fired then what would you do right right you know? right right yeah 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 so it's all this tangled web of like coercion and exploitation in the workplace that is like again firmly rooted in the violence that evolved out of the settler colon the original like settler colonial model 
right? Good God. Yeah, like, we're going to take your shit, we're going to take your land, we're going to take your bodies, and we're going to fucking steal your labor value. And that... And if you don't have the... the you can't outfight us, then what are you going to do about it? you can't outfight us, what are you going to do about it? empathy, what is that? Right, and when that becomes the dominant ideology, right, and that becomes the dominant ideology that's expressed to us through culture, yeah, people are going to look at that and they're gonna think it's cool. I see what you're. I see what you're getting at. I see what you're getting at. Before, because mm-hmm. when you're planning this episode or whatever, sometimes when Brian's planning the episode, like I'm trying to, I, because I I want to find a way that I can genuinely say that, like, yes, we we did have a real conversation that you and I would have had and all this kind of stuff. And I was struggling to get there today, but I see it now. As soon as you're talking about this or whatever, because everything that's popping up in my head right now is just like South Park, America, fuck yeah, like yeah. You know, Team America, yeah. World Police, yeah. like. What that's and that's what people fucking think about us like mm-hmm. fucking just violent, loud people because that's how we present ourselves and that's what we celebrate. Yo, everything in America is like even like if if it's like uh if you like cars right like American Ooh, like the American accession louder, car is violent, louder, better. more powerful, like wow. fucking bigger, faster, well, shooting fucking flames when out of the somebody, exhaust pipes. When somebody drives by me in yeah. a little quiet ass uh, hybrid car, I'm just like, yo, you fucking. Little baby, yeah. you fucking hybrid cat. Right, and that's such a common joke that I know even I would love you a hybrid, and I have made when some dude, like, like no muffler, you know, just, like, revs his fucking engine down the street. We're like, oh, oh, shit, cool guy. What a fucking fuck cool guy, guy right cool here. dude, yeah. <laughs> he wants everyone to know how cool he is. Check it out. And so, and that's the kind of guy that if you were to, <laughs> if he heard us saying that, would probably, probably start stop his car yeah. and come over and try to do what? Fight, Fight us. us. Because that's how he proves that he's right. Wow. That's like, and that's what that's what a system that relies on violence to function. It teaches us that violence is an acceptable means to function in our own personal lives. And when you have fictional characters and uh, movie franchises mm-hmm. and comic books uh, and all of these different angles, um, like let, let's just th- let's talk about America's weird obsession with serial killers and mass shooters. Yeah, right? like. Do you know how disturbing it was back in the day on Tumblr to see the phenomenon of, of homies uh, emerge? Do you remember that guy? He was mm-hmm. the dude that shot up the theater in Colorado for sure. The Dark Knight. A little pink haired. James Holmes, I yeah, think was yeah, his yeah. name. Okay. But there were like fangirls that emerged, like supporting him, oh, and they called themselves like homies and shit like that. No. And like, I mean, just think about Ted Bundy, right? Like, think about all these fucking like predatory psychopaths that. A certain amount of the population, if they're not just like morbidly curious about them, sure, they actually have a sort of like strange admiration for them. Oh, so so this this all fucking to me lumps right in with people who who like watching all the CSIs and mm. like listening to the serial podcasts yeah. and or, seeing all this shit. Sorry to say it, but Law and Order SVU too. Yeah, yeah specifically just a whole that bunch one. Of fucking trauma porn that you're just ingesting into your system every day. And uh, you know. Uh, at the risk of making this gendered, I have heard from women that tend to like this kind of stuff, whatever, that it's just sort of like giving them an insight into the minds of fucking like psychopaths and Ooh. stuff like that. So like, I don't know if this, if watching this just sort of like <laughs> is, is, I don't know, it it definitely feels like you're, you're a form of torture, like mm. definitely a form of mm-hmm. like masochism and that like, Oh, I need to know about all the things that I should be scared about. So, like, let yeah. me watch and I mean, there's like, that, consume that. There's that. That's and but also like you know, kind of just the valid point that it's sort of like doing research. Like, if mm-hmm. you're going out into the field where there's wolves and tigers, like you might want to know what wolves and tigers do. So you know, you don't find yourself 
prey to one. God damn. The more concerning thing I find is that is like the men that lionize these people. Mm. Like I feel like online I've encountered various shades of the incel character, mm. like explicitly supporting Ted Bundy because of like, you know, some sort of like perceived like retribution or like judgment that he passed on on women on their behalf. Like, for all the women that rejected him, or even if he's just imagining that shit, Ted Bundy somehow, like, got even for him. Jesus. You know what I mean? It's, and, like, it's that same phenomenon of, like, what, what the fuck was that that one dude's name? That Elliot Rogers. The guy who went on the drive-by shooting in California. After oh, like, my gosh. Because he got manifesto. rejected? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, now he's known on the internet and in incel community circles as the supreme gentleman. No. Yeah. Man, no. No. Yeah. Oh, gee, this is, this is, like, you know, everybody's, it's, like, all sad about, you know, Big Brother. Yeah. Terror States or whatever. Yeah. Fuck that. I say you monitor everybody's shit and these people who fucking are like that or whatever. It's just, like, all right, cool. We're just going to sit on, we're just going to watch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, and I know that uh, the danger to slippery slope and, like, you know, people who don't deserve to be treated like that way, they will take advantage of these systems and, like, start monitoring everybody. Everybody should be monitored. If you're fucking, fuck that. No, man. Yeah. That's, that's, I cannot believe that shit. It's disgusting, in a word. Like, it's, and it really makes you wonder, like, what kind of depravity, like, people are willing to, like, sink to. And, but the bigger question really is why. And I think that's like what we're trying to answer in this episode. And we're talking about like the way that uh, your culture and like your material reality like shape your perception of reality, right? And if violence is like part of that everyday experience for you in some way, shape, or form, right? Then it's only a matter of time before violence enters your fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as violence becomes a reoccurring fantasy for you, it's only a matter of time before it becomes a reality. Oh, God. Yeah. So the the last thing I wanted to, to talk about to close out this episode uh, on the idea of like violence as a part of American culture is uh, America's obsession with uh, the end of the world and the apocalypse in general. I don't want to close my eyes. That's right. Jerome's, don't want to fall asleep. the hit song. <laughs> By Aerosmith about a meteor from a movie about a meteor that's going to smash into Earth <laughs> and destroy it. So, uh, end of the world movies, uh, be it fucking zombies, nukes, technology, or natural disasters, mm. are a very, very common trope in in America, in mm. American like literary canon and movies and shit like that. Yeah, I guess at this point, uh, since we seem to be struggling with original fucking content yeah. and we're making another Batman movie, it's just like, I don't know, man. Can we just do another vampire? Can we just do another, uh, do a fucking tornado inside of an earthquake? Give it to him, <laughs> you know? I mean, natural disaster <laughs> movies, I mean, I think, I don't know which ones I like best. I think I like the zombies one. Yes. Because it's like, that's more of a commentary on like consumerism being the death of society. Listen to this. Listen to this fucking shit. What? That's that's Brian's brain being Brian's brain hey. because I watch a zombie movie. I'm just like, yo, this fucking like this crazy. Yo, uh, these ones are fast. Like that's that's crazy too. Yeah. And Brian's just like, this is actually like a, com- yeah. a commentary on like what? Okay. Yeah, I just pushed it, up my enlighten glasses. me. Yeah. So I in one, this is George Romero's statement too. So it's not. It's the intention of the creators. Right? Ah. But 
zombies are like this representation of this sort of like mindless drone consumer mm. that like George Romero when he made the first Night of the Living Dead felt that modern society was pushing us all towards right mm. so a zombie is essentially dead they live like you know a joyless fucking like consciousless existence mm-hmm. their one impulse that they have less is to eat flesh which is just to consume that's mm. the literal like embodiment of consumption mm-hmm. and that's all they do they just devour so like how that's such a good metaphor for capitalism so anytime you see a zombie movie like where zombies have taken over the earth and it's just like a random bunch of survivors trying to like make do with that Mm -hmm. what you're seeing is the story of people trying to survive post-capitalism and that is kind of a common theme in all of the apocalyptic sort of movies that america produces and then what ends up like uh, uh, so in those types of scenarios, you've also got to contend with other humans yeah. who are all out for each themselves yep. and trying to consume what you have so that they also can like survive yep. in this situation. Yeah, the thing about zombie movies is that like once the the global order of capital is like wiped out and becomes the mass of zombies, mm. right? What's left is to repeat the process of what Marx called primitive accumulation. So that's where you see, like, uh, from Walking Dead, like, the saviors. Like, those guys are just basically the post-apocalyptic equivalent of, like, the, the you know, the Viking tribe from, like, ancient history. Mm. That, like, just they, rape and pillage yeah, and we're stuff. Yeah, we're going to take. Like, mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, Ironborn. We don't sow. Like, we are raiders. We see that you have shit that we need to survive. And since we don't have the skills or maybe the land required mm. to do this ourselves, mm-hmm. we're just going to take it from you. And yeah, whenever there are raider packs in these things or whatever, there's usually only, like, one or two smart people in the group. Right. And the rest are just, like... Dummies. Yeah, they just want bread and like to be safe from the zombies and all that kind of shit. Yeah. But like, so there's an important quote that sort of ties in this last bit of the episode altogether from a, a Slovenian philosopher named Slavov Zizek, who I don't know if you know him, but he's. Do, do I know him? I don't know. He's a pop philosopher. Everybody kind of knows him. He he's really you know he's pretty funny. He sounds like he does a lot of coke. Uh-huh. Uh, he you know constantly sniffling and 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 uh-huh. you know yeah exactly. There you go. That's a good Zizek <laughs> impersonation. But he had this like uh, this quote where uh, he he's you know just kind of pontificated right that it's easier for people in the West, specifically people in America, uh, to imagine the end of the world. Uh, as opposed to just a, a modest alternative to capitalism, right? The only way out, right? The only way out of this system that we're in is just through sheer and utter collapse of that system. Uh, be, and it's usually always kind of like the system's fault, more or less. Mm. Like, and, and our specific sort of like uh, cultural obsessions with apocalypse come in like waves, right? And they all sort of like reflect the anxieties of, uh, like the system is experiencing at that time. Okay. So let's talk about like Y2K. Remember? Everyone freaking out about Y2K? Yeah, I remember right? uh, I was at a friend's house and his dad drove me home afterwards. Uh, and this is the first time I learned what a road soda was. So I felt safe wait what's a road soda uh just a beer to go oh (laughs) okay this is virginia yeah oh yes this is the first time i had been in a car with somebody who's like drinking comfortably and driving and i'm just like well if you're comfortable then i'm comfortable rural ass roads not a lot of people that is like a prop that's a constant theme and a problem in my life just me doing stuff and just being like if you're comfortable i'm comfortable i guess 
Yeah. Well, okay. So Y2K, Jerome was drinking road sodas. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, the anxiety, you know, surrounding Y2K was that, like, you know, all the computers were going to malfunction and, like, nukes were going to launch themselves or, like, your bank account was going to be suddenly drained because, like, they didn't have the proper code or whatever. To oh, just to get to the, 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 the clocks back. Yeah, to whatever exactly. So, like, yeah. really what that was was sort of, like, a, a conspiracy, like, fear and anxiety based upon us transitioning fully into the internet age. Mm. Like, 2000, obviously, that's when the uh, the situation where, like, you know, internet for the private home. Was, was there, has there ever been, like, some sort of, like, a biblical element to the 2000, or is that not really, like, a significant number? I mean, there were some people that, that it was always, always biblical. Well, and I asked that because yeah. my, the last girlfriend that I ever had, shout out Michelle Burrell, eighth grade, uh, her dad was building a, a family-sized arc. <gasps> in their backyard uh it was just it was was an arc big enough for the four of them and in their basement they had like toilet paper and water stacked up to the ceiling and this is 1998 when when like he had started that so this was two years out you know all right well the thing about biblical eschatologists which is the fancy word for people who are obsessed with the end of the world uh they always see it coming. Like mm. you can go back to through American history, like all the way to the 1800s, and still find those like doomsday cults who like predicted in the Bible that the world was going to end this day. So they bring everybody out to a field to like wait for it, and it doesn't come. And you know, they say, oh, I made a mistake. Mis- yeah, I've seen um, Reverend uh, Richard Wayne yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, right. That kind of idea. I mean, he's a trope. He's a trope in that show for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like Y2K. Anxiety about the internet age. Uh, 2012, a little bit more recent for us. That was the Mayan doomsday prophecy. Which I was fingers crossed. Like, I was, like, strapped in, ready to go, dude. Based on nothing, I was just like, look, if you were giving us, I don't want to die, but if we're all dying together, then let's fucking go. Hell yeah. So, like, uh, that was, like, this idea. I mean, there's a bunch of different theories for it, but the most common idea was that the the poles of the planet were going to reverse themselves somehow, Mm. which would just, like shake up like shake up the fucking earth like a sure. snow globe and like just mess everything up for a oh, second. Oh, that molten core would just go out of control. Yeah, exactly. Uh so like really just like this natural disaster sort of like end of the world and like you could look at that 2012, mm-hmm. right? And like say that that's directly connected to the anxieties uh of our society approaching the the point of no return in terms of climate collapse. Like 2012 was the year for the Kyoto Protocol, which was like the big agreement that like all the major countries in the world were supposed to sign to reduce carbon emissions. Oh. And Barack Obama signed it, and then Trump infamously backed out of it. Like you know, well because Trump shit. Yeah. Uh, and like back, you know, it it was like this big moment where the the world first like sort of like said aloud in a serious way that if we don't do something about global warming we're gonna be in a lot of fucking trouble right and well then, did they not watch the rocco's modern life episode about like recycling yeah, and shit because I mean, that's how it got into my head people were trying to warn us in the 90s they have been trying they have been pushing planet, hard bro, oh my god right like the, the 90s was really fucking like hey pay attention to the earth captain like, planet would get earth. he would get his ass laughed at if they tried to do that shit right now for real yeah dude. if it weren't for the nostalgia vibe they, like, they tried to introduce captain planet right now people like yo get that dude out of here i'm pretty sure they did it remember they had the don Cheadle like funnier die skit with captain planet like Uh, that came out way later and it was just a joke it was the premise was captain planet is a joke you know what i mean like so that goes to show you how much like our culture moved away from giving shit about ecology when it was no longer like beneficial to the capitalist class that runs shit yeah so like 2012 big time anxiety right and now we're at 2020 we're living through this global pandemic, right? And we're living uh, through, like, social unrest uh, and, like, probably what looks like maybe the last gasp of, like, the old traditional, like, liberal world order of, like, global capitalism where we're, like, quote-unquote democratic. 
quote unquote free and open societies hmm. uh and everybody is having this like anxiety about the creeping approach of fascism right you say everybody i well, mean the people who yeah. uh <laughs> listen to the news and stuff like that or this podcast are worried about that right 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 <laughs> and that means you're a brilliant person yeah. if you're listening to this Keep podcast listening to it tell a friend tell a friend anyway so you, this anxiety that like you know the fucking new world order like 1984 sort of like police state is approaching Mm -hmm. is there's like it we've gotten to this point i think now this is my big theory this is my big theory for the episode right Mm. that we have had so much dystopian post-apocalyptic apocalyptic fiction pumped into us that we are seeing those shadows those ghosts of that like mm. of those themes those images those plot devices yes. in real life yeah yeah yeah. we saw it with the toilet paper uh pandit pa- panic at the beginning <laughs> yeah, of the, the pandemic panic. yeah because they yeah. thought it was like the end of the world and we're gonna wipe their ass mm-hmm. again i don't know what that's weird but i'm more even talking about like let's think about like the matrix right the matrix came out in like the 98 i think was the first one and then like went through the early 2000s mm. and now people legitimately think that we're trapped in a simulation yeah right I, uh, i'm fine with that theory yeah uh terminator 1992 comes out uh, you know ai artificial intelligence like comes online takes over the world like kills all humans uh and they're, then, like, they're making robots dance in 2020 and, and, now, and do backflips yeah, and shit stephen hawking's like death words were beware of ai don't do you know don't be fucking pursuing that shit so there's a lot of anxiety about that coming along uh and then like you know going back to the purge like that sort of anxiety of this like or the handmaiden's tale or any of those things where it's like this totalitarian like dystopian government jeez hand handmaid's tale i don't know if it's just too close to like me watching it versus like whatever but like that seems kind of like the closest to could could just fucking happen yeah and that's scary yeah or the or the, the man in the high castle I don't know what that is. Uh, that was the one where, like, what if the Nazis won the war? And it's like, well, it kind of looks like America now, <laughs> to be honest. Oh. So I don't know. I guess we're fi- we're finding out. Ooh. We are, in a sense, living we through are. a disaster movie. I asked earlier. I asked earlier. I was just like, yeah, what happens in a in a like a what usually is the scenario leading up to these like disaster movies and you mentioned it was just like, oh, somebody like knowing about something yeah, and yeah, then yeah, ignoring yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yep. So what happened here? Uh, somebody knew about it and a bunch of people ignored it. So like in January, like the CDC and the World Health Organization were like, yo, there's a pretty serious pandemic like emerging out of China. Everybody might want to get ready. This is real. And everybody in the United States government just was like, nah, no, it's not. Mm. And and like the you can make a lot of people are going to have a lot of real fucking different theories about why this is. Mm-hmm. Right. But the I think the simplest explanation for it is that the government, all you know, they knew that they weren't going to be able to get a grip on it because the system that they have designed is not equipped to handle it. But if they told everybody to stop what they were doing mm-hmm. and like, you know, get ready and be prepared, one, they would create a panic, which might mm. jeopardize the financial system because, you know, that usually creates things like runs on the bank where everybody withdraws money at the same time. So banks can't lend it out anymore. Uh, so in order to avoid that, they downplayed the warnings for the pandemic, but also to just keep people working. So they wouldn't have to pay unemployment. So they yeah. wouldn't have to like uh, take care of like social services for like childcare for mo- like you know in like mothers and shit or like kids that were gonna get pulled out. But of the school. the lasting effects of this are gonna be way worse way versus worse. if they would have yeah. just done that shit. Yeah, but it, if they would have done it, it's not even that they thought it was a bad idea. They just knew just wasn't feasible. No, they knew that it would jeopardize their whole lie um. because they can't just fucking take care of everyone's material needs like mm. that 
because then they can no longer convince people that they can't do it when they mm-hmm. ask for it next time, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like if if the government was just like, all right, look, even if they did like a moderate thing, like what the United Kingdom did, where there's like we're going to take care of every like eighty five percent of everyone's salary for the year, hmm. like stay home, don't get sick. If you do get sick, come to our fucking you know nationalized healthcare service, and we'll take care of you for free. Uh, even if we had just done that, right? The, the problem with giving that to us is that, like, they'd have to take it away in order to get back to their old traditional profit models. Sure. And once you give a population something, yeah. you can't take it away, mm-hmm. especially if it's good, especially if it does, like, positive things and helps people and all that kind of shit. So they knew that. And I, th- I that's my theory, at least, is that, like, that's the reason why. So, yeah, like disaster movies so we're in one we are officially, officially in, one. in one and no movie that they're gonna make about this is gonna be good enough no it's like. gonna be horrible because because it's gonna be skewed there's no way to tell yeah. this from like everyone's point of view because yeah. like the country's so fucking divided and seriously just like, i don't know that's seriously nuts. but like and then and then these people like the people who don't believe in the, like the coronavirus and like they don't want to wear the masks and all this kind of shit or if they do and they're just sort of like cool with the death toll that's going to come to like keep the economy intact mm-hmm these these are thoughts <laughs> that that are only enabled by a system that completely fucking supports the idea of violence as a means of social control. Sure, sure like you sure. do not think that any of this shit is acceptable uh, if if your system's not run that way. So let's just like point to another country like in the world that has handled the coronavirus a lot better than Vietnam, hmm. right? Which is Vietnam is a Marxist-Leninist state, right? They're a socialist country. Uh, and when the coronavirus hit, they share a border with China, which is where the, the pandemic emerged from. Okay. And I think it took maybe five months into the entire pandemic mm-hmm. for a single person in Vietnam to die. And that was because the chairman of the Communist Party of Vietnam literally said the health and body of the Vietnamese people is more important than the economy. We will, we're planning now to keep them alive so we have an economy later. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like that's the difference between the way a socialist country thinks and the way a capitalist country thinks. So like the socialist country recognizes this fucking crisis is coming, recognizes that they have to do something to protect the people so they have a state to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, and then immediately reorganizes the state to fall into a support role. Right capitalist country sees that this coronavirus is coming some people think oh my god this is going to be a fucking huge crisis and a, a, a jeopardy to our supply lines and our profit margins so we need to make sure that that doesn't collapse and that means like keeping people at work like kicking them off unemployment so they have to go back to work right uh or you know inflation all that kind of shit and then there's other people who see like the pandemic and they see it as an opportunity to make even more money like you know jeff bezos from Mm -hmm. amazon who's Mm -hmm. like oh yeah no one's gonna be going out to shop so they're all gonna be ordering from me yeah uh and like you have seen that sort of like massive accumulation of of wealth during the coronavirus pandemic in the hands of these like billionaires in this country like it's, it's becoming even more consolidated which means that class antagonisms are going to become even more pronounced and like that's just the trajectory that we're going because we're trapped in this slow motion disaster movie and tensions are only going to get higher and people are are going to react violently because we come from a culture of violence Jeez. I know, and that's like that's a sad thing to sort of like end the episode on. Yeah, I don't know how we can 
I don't know. I How, all it says what, all this to me. Uh, my takeaway from this is keep your fucking head on a swivel. Yeah, and like like listen to what people are saying around you. Yeah, and and dead shit if you can. Like you know, put it squash sh- shitty ideas. Yeah, if you can, and if not, just I don't know. Keep a fucking eye out because like be ready to defend like yeah. your friends, your families, your communities. Like oh, be shit. ready to stand up for each other. Right? Like we we're not. We're not joking. This is like a legitimate thing that people just need to like, maybe not accept as an inevitability, but a possibility, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like, if the system <laughs> that we're living under, the only way it knows how to impose itself upon us is through violence. Yeah. Guess what's coming? Right. If, guess, Trump, if Trump doesn't want to leave office. Yeah. Like, guess what is coming? It's more fucking violence. So like, like no one wants to be violent. Like obviously, being violent is not an aspiration to be. But like, if you're going to have to deal mm-hmm. with violence, you might as well know how to defend yourself, right? Yeah. You might as well know how to defend. Which yourself. is why I'm opening up LGBTQ Center. It's uh, <laughs> learn ballistics and uh, tactics. Um, What's the rest of them? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, arm the queers. Arm the like, queers. Everybody. The everybody who's like, I, what you know. <laughs> it's, this, it's weird all of a sudden how we end up on this, like, you know, like, yeah. uh, <laughs> this tangent after just talking about violence so much. But, like, legitimately, fucking A. It, just if, get ready, if, man. When, when Trump says it's open season on faggots or whatever, I would rather, like, be in my house, like, waiting for them to come or whatever with something to protect myself whatever than just just be like fuck i guess this is just it for me so i mean like whatever buy a gun go join the socialist rifle association like get ready to defend yourself with your leftist buddies like get ready to just defend your communities get ready to just take a hit if you're not going to swing back like you got to be you got that's another big part of it is you got to be brave enough to take a hit without swinging back because if you get scared off by the violence that they're going to show us it's over. They won. Like, that's it. Sure. Oh, yeah. As soon as they see a sign of, like, yeah. oh, you're not even going to try and fight back? Try. Tight. We've officially scared you back into your homes. Yeah. You're not going to be asking for shit anymore. Mm. So I guess that's what we're going to end this episode with is just, like, you know, comrades, be brave. Oh. Be brave. We, and, like, stick together. We got your back. The We, we know that it's coming, and we're going to be ready for it. Oh, my God. This is frightening. Okay. Yeah. You heard the man. That's it. Checking out. (laughs) Stay (laughs) safe. This is the episode that gets us our fucking FBI file. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, gosh. No, I'm sure we'll top this. Yeah, we'll we'll top it. We'll top it. All right. So long, everybody. See ya. What do we say? That if you kill a few, you get a little satisfaction. But you kill some more, and you get some more satisfaction. But when you can kill them all, you get complete satisfaction. That's why we have a move, because we have to organize the people. We have to educate the people, we have to arm the people, and we have to teach them the revolutionary political power. And when the people understand all that, won't be killing no few, getting no little satisfaction. Won't be killing no more and getting some more satisfaction. It'll be killing them all and getting complete satisfaction. So what should we do if we the vanguard? What is it right to do? Is it right for the leadership of the struggle to go faster than the, than the followers of that struggle can go? No. We're not going to be dealing with no commandism, nor will we be dealing with tailism. We'll say that just as fast as the people can possibly go, that's just as fast as we can take it. And while we take it, we're going to be down there amidst the people in the valley. So that in the valley, we know that we can learn and understand their lifestyle. We understand the people out here and all this bougie bullshit out here. You can make it sit yourself on the mountaintop. Do you matter to sit yourself on the mountaintop? 
may even someday consider myself on the mountaintop. I may have had already. But I know that even though in the valley, there are people like Dennis, and there are people like Nate, and there are people like Mickey White, and people like Huey P. Newton, and people like Bobby Seale, and even in the valley, below the valley, and people like Bobby Hutton, people like Elvis Cleaver. We know that these are dangerous times. We know that when you go down to the valley, you've got to make a commitment. A lot of us think the revolution is bullshit, but it's not. A lot of us think that when you get involved in the revolution, you can talk your way out of things, but that's not true. If you think I'm lying, ask Bobby Hutton. XL is cleaving, UAP Newton, and Mickey White, and Dennis and me. Ask these people, it's not a game. And if you're going to involve yourself in a revolutionary struggle, then you've got to be serious. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to already have practiced some type of theory. That's why we ask the people to follow the leadership of the Vanguard Party. Because we're always theorizing, we're always practicing, we're always making mistakes. But we're always connected, and we're always getting better, and we're always leading, and we're always saying every day that no matter what anybody else says, that I am a revolutionary, and you got to be able to come to grips with that fact. Uh, super shout out to uh, also Ryan Heiser, who has stepped on to the podcast as our super producer and music maker, and you know all around vibe guy. So shout out to the God. <laughs> You're not gonna say anything. Nope. <laughs>